Writing is thinking. Like good content is reflected through good thinking. It's not just the words on the page. It's analyzing the thoughts that go behind those words. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Content Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Hedge, the finance content agency. Today on the show, I'm joined by another content marketing expert. Really excited to have a chat with Lily Ubaja. Lily, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Jason. It's my pleasure to be here. Awesome. Look, um, yeah, I'm excited to get into this today. As just like last, the last guest I had on the show, actually, we we were introduced by by Dozer. He's becoming like their patient zero for for my podcast at this point. So, um, really want to get into some interesting um, conversations around like the frameworks you use for content and that sort of stuff today. But to to begin with, for people who maybe haven't come across you on LinkedIn or in the other podcasts you've been on or or, or any of the places where you make content, do you want to give us a little bit of an introduction as to who you are and, and what you do? Okay. Um, so I'm a content marketing consultant. I work with brands like WordPress and Zapier and HubSpot and Hotjar, like many brands that are you easily recognize in the tech industry. I used to work at Animals, which is regarded as the best content marketing agency, <laughs> quality-wise, right? I know a lot of agencies look up to Animals. I used to work there a few years ago. And before that, I was a blogger. So I, I uh, had my own blogs. I grew them using SEO and social media. And here I am now. Interesting. So you've seen it from really like both to get before you got to where you are now, the work you're doing now, you've seen it from like both ends of the spectrum then, right? You've seen it like from your own projects, doing it on a relatively small scale to begin with, I'm sure. And then you've seen it from working at a, a really big agency. What what are some of the um, biggest lessons you've learned from from or biggest takeaways you had from working for, for animals for a really big agency like that? Um, I think the biggest thing I came up with is that writing is thinking. Like good content is reflected through good thinking. Like mm-hmm. it's not just the words on the page. It's the thoughts that analyzing the thoughts that go behind that, those words. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, making sure that there is no gap in the logic of the reader. Uh, that's really interesting because I I often think that myself actually uh, that I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there that the the content of the content is more important than the prose of the content right like and I think this is sometimes one of the misconceptions yeah. that people make when they're getting into content marketing to, to begin with maybe they took English in high school or or, or college and felt like they were good writers and like, yeah, that's a part of it because you have to be able to convey the messages, but actually it is what those messages are that are more important than like how perfect your grammar is or how how flowery or not flowery, that's the wrong word, but how like, you know, grammatically correct and perfect you can make the actual sentence structure and stuff. Yeah, like it's pretty much like the content that we have from AI right now. It's, I often call it beautiful nonsense. It's Perfect, grammatically yeah. correct and everything, but there is no substance. Mm, definitely, one of the um, one of the things that I, uh, which I think is a bit of an extension of of what we have just been talking about, is one of the things that I've one of the quotes I read for you. I think it was on a LinkedIn post, maybe, um, 
you said that your content should read like your customer's story. And I really love that because I think it's all about putting your, letting your customers see themselves in your content. But do you want to explain a little bit more about what kind of your, expand on that point a little bit more about your thinking behind that that comment? Yeah, I feel like the best content um, is always anchored on specificity. Like I remember reading um, a case study on Canva one time. It was done by Foundation, right? So in this case study, Canvas had different landing pages for different use cases, right? Mm-hmm. And each use case, each landing page felt like, if you read it, it felt like you we are the only customer that Canva was targeting, right? And it brought me back to when I was a blogger, when I was looking for a graphic design tools for, for bloggers. I remember stumbling on Canva's website one day and the landing page that I reached was, after seeing that landing page, I honestly had no idea that Canva was serving any other segment in, <laughs> in the industry, right? It mm. felt like this was just the perfect tool for me. I could see myself in the in the landing page, I could see how it would like the, the examples they gave were so relevant to me. It was just specific, and I've never used. I used to use Corel Draw <laughs> and um, some other like Adobe and all the stuff. But since I found Canva, I've never actually used any other graphic design tool, and I feel like it was because they made it sound and feel like it was just for me. Yeah, and that's what writing content that shows your your user in the story does yeah that's really interesting so and and i guess yeah the more the more specific you can make that content the more it feels like it's talking to an individual because you're not trying to talk to i don't know every real estate agent in the world you're talking to you know real estate agents who target this specific segment within this particular geography and that feels like people are then talking to you, I guess. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It also comes out in kind of like the 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 um, tips that you give in the content. When I'm reading content that is specific to me, there are examples that are there that I can take and apply to the work that I do. So I always say mm. that what makes people regard a, con- um, a brand's content as remarkable or exceptional is when they can act on it, get results. That's what makes them remember this brand. So when they act on the, the free content that they've seen and they get results, they come back for even paid paid stuff, right? And the only way to do that is having examples um, that are specific to the particular user. Yeah. And I guess that, that comes back to uh, one of the guests I had on the show um, a few weeks back, Kent McDonald, we are talking about product-led content and how how content marketing and um, sales and products teams can you know, can work closely together, and I guess that's another example of that, right? Like if you're if you've got your sales team who are looking for collateral, if you've got something where they have a a, a potential client or customer who's telling you a bunch of problems or scenarios that they have, and you've got content that that literally covers or yeah this is what this client had, which is the same problem as you, and this is how we fixed it, and this was the end result, like that's like that's a, a no-brainer then isn't it it's it's so specific to that specific problem <laughs> no-brainer <laughs> how do you think the age of ai and chat gpt and bots and all that sort of stuff how do you think that changes the way you approach 
content specificity? Do you think it helps because we can have a general idea and then iterate it a ton of times with AI? Or do you think actually it's the opposite and AI is going to make it harder? So I... I don't I don't know if it's gonna make it harder or easier. I know for brands, it's gonna make it compulsory to differentiate with specific content. But I haven't seen any correlation between AI and creating specific content. Like I've tried, I've tested all almost all of them, trying to come up with scenarios that can show, you know, this specific um example that I want to paint, right? And somehow they all fail. I don't know if maybe mm. I'm bad at prompts. I don't know. <laughs> but it's also possible that these things are only things that can come from experience. I mean, if I if I was a chef and I was trying to teach people how to fry um, maybe fish eggs, it's not something that a beginner can fake. Like, I'm not a chef. I do not know how to fry fish eggs. Like, it's it feels like... Um, Magic or sorcery to me, right? <laughs> yeah. This, uh, this is <laughs> this is where AI cannot really help, right? So specificity has to come from going out there and talking to subject matter experts, and maybe even walking the the talk yourself, like right? mm-hmm. actually doing the thing. Is what I've started to do recently. You do the thing. You don't just lean on um what people say because sometimes even subject matter experts can forget things because they've done it so many times and. So they, they forget so many gaps that someone who's doing it for the first time may not see. Mm. And so I try to walk the process myself and then come back with questions for the SME. I don't know if maybe in future, when there's enough great content out there for AI to scrape, maybe then, <laughs> maybe then it will be able to help with specificity. But right now it's at a zero. Yeah. And I think that's it's the same. It's essentially the same problem we have for Google at the moment, right? Like you get to the point where you are, you can Google stuff that has an easy answer, which is like featured snippets, which is a really a simple definition or something. You then have the next level where you're asking like maybe a tutorial of how to do something, and there'll be some some websites or companies have created content around that. But the more specific you get, eventually the results from Google just become really broad. Like you know, if you talk, if you're looking for something like yeah. you know how to pick running shoes for a 35 year old overweight man who blah 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 like the more specific you get you get results that say like the top 10 running shoes so i guess it's the same problem with that it's the same yeah. situation with ai like at, at a certain point like you say unless it has the unless it has that really specific content somewhere out there already it's not going to be able to give answers that tailor those or answer those really tailored questions exactly Correctly. i do see um content moving away like I, people might rely more on discovery in maybe social or email lists and rely less on search like search is not going to yeah. go away i know this for sure because you you can't go in, in in the um like on facebook and search for something specific and find it except if maybe social there's just no way to optimize it right now yeah the search engines are the the highest level um, options that we have for discovery for like, you know, a specific thing that you're looking for. But I do see more brand searches happening. Like someone will come up and say, I only want to see content from um, hedge finance marketing, right? Instead of like um, how to do a marketing strategy. So I see more brand searches, like how to do a marketing strategy and the, the brand name. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it will be really interesting to see how it all develops. And I think especially with the um, explosion of like email newsletters like that becoming so, so much bigger now, I think people will connect a lot more with people and um, take recommendations and, and guidance from from people who they know who they actually are. They know they're a real person or a real company run by re- real people um, and have built up that trust uh, around their, their recommendations and information, that sort of thing. Um, you mentioned just before about uh, SMEs and, and gaining those insights from experts. And one thing that I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted you to go over, which I thought was really interesting, was the way that you you can you bait them into uh, giving you a response to your outreach. I saw, I think it was a LinkedIn post you put um, put down. Do you want to do you want to explain your <laughs> yeah. your sneaky tactic for getting responses to those outreach queries? I thought it was an, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> okay, so um, right now we have a problem. Many people know that um, you can use all these sites like Help a B2B Writer and all that place to get links. And sometimes they, they answer queries that they're not even qualified to answer, right? Sometimes they even use AI to like generate um, answers. So recently I've started trying to filter the, the answers that I get by using some um, something that would like an expert would see this and they'll be like, hell no, that's that's not how it goes. <laughs> this is how yeah. it goes, right? So I try to state that the obvious generic advice, sometimes even false advice and be like, how do you do this? And somehow it gets experts to reply with advice that is actually useful and actionable and unique to the audience. And it also makes it easier to filter through the, the garbage um, responses. So like you open an email and you see them saying, <laughs> regurgitating the thing that you said, which is completely yeah. false. You just know this oh, this person doesn't know what you're saying, <laughs> so you skip. Yeah, I think that's awesome because it's like, it's the same... It's the same concept that you see on basic on so much content, right? Is like, um, if people disagree with something, they're far more likely to like leave a bad review for a company or comment on something to tell the creator that they're an idiot and they've made a mistake. And actually, you even see this done. You see it quite often now, especially on like TikTok and stuff, where people will like make a spelling error or like say a word incorrectly or whatever to get that engagement because people like want to correct you and be right and i think that's yeah. just such a such a cool way to do it is like throw out a blatantly wrong fact and then that prompts and be like no that's not that's not right it's it's uh, it's brilliant yeah i hope i hope people don't find it annoying though <laughs> well, so much of internet and the internet and marketing and everything is annoying isn't it we just got to uh push through to push through that a little bit i think to a certain point um now I want to talk to you about your 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 framework for creating content, which is called the Lima framework. You've talked about this um, a few other times in the past. It's like you're becoming a bit of your your specialty. But I'm really interested, and I think people who listen to the show will be interested in in kind of walking us through how you use that framework for for content creation. Before before I go into the Lima framework, I wanted to drop another um, thing that I think helps in getting high quality responses. It, it might filter the amount of responses that you get because not everyone is going to have the um, time or the energy to do it. But asking sometimes for screenshots, like proof that the person actually has done what they say that they do, mm-hmm. it, it always helps bring out more um, expert responses. 
So onto the Lima framework. Um, so I've worked with brands like um, Hodger and some other brands that had like really incredible high standards for quality. And during that time, I had to figure out a way to like repeatedly um, deliver exceptional content, especially when I was managing teams. Like if it's just me, I know what good content looks like. I can wing it. But like when I'm working with a team where the writers need to um, deliver good content and they're not yet at a place where they understand how it works, or maybe they, it's just like maybe a team needs to have something as a kind of reference that they can cross-check their work against to ensure quality. And that was how I came up with the Lima framework. It's basically, um, it basically stands for logical, explicit, memorable, and actionable. And these four things is what makes wholesome content that your user can relate with, bookmark, share, like share in their team. I've had so many people share my work in either their team Slack or like use my work as reference during like a job application or something. That is like the highest level of brand equity that I can see. Someone putting a, placing a vote of confidence on the work that you've done by sharing it with someone that they respect or someone who respects them, right? Yeah. And what makes that happen is having content that is logical. So you don't get lost while you're reading it. Like in the beginning, I used to have this issue when I started my freelance writing and content marketing career. I used to write like loads and lots of stuff. Like research is my strong point. So I would go off the deep end and find so many wonderful juicy um, details. And I want to include all of them. I want the audience to see that we're smart and we know a lot of things, right? But logic demands that you create a piece that is exactly right for where your audience is today. Mm -hmm. Not where they are going tomorrow, not where they were yesterday. And so you're you're getting rid of um, things that they already know, like you're just glossing over it instead of saying everything again like yeah. you know um so you're you're, you're um, talking about how to develop a marketing strategy you don't go back and start saying what is the marketing strategy because the person who mm-hmm. is searching for how to develop a marketing strategy already knows what it is they know the benefits else they wouldn't want to do it right and that's like such a that's such a hallmark of like crap SEO content as well, isn't it? When it's like you ask the, the, you have the SEO keyword and then there's like a thousand words of like, when was marketing invented? Like who, like, it's like, I don't care about that. Just exactly. get to the point and answer the question. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like you're giving a whole history. Like I couldn't care less about it. Maybe if I was hearing SEO for the first time, I would want to know. Hmm, so why does SEO work? Who invented it? And all that stuff. Like, if I want to know how to do it, I already know that it exists, that it's useful. I just want to know how to do it right. Yeah. <laughs> and then logic also shows up in the sections itself, right? So with each article that we put out there, there's always questions in the user's heads, depending on where they are in their journey. They're either asking what, why, how, who, when, where, those questions, right? And so depending on where your user is in their journey, the sections need to follow that structure. Say, um, mm-hmm. say how to develop a marketing strategy. And I say, um, oh shit, what am I gonna say right now? <laughs> okay, and I say, and I say, <laughs> do computer research or something like that, right? 
the questions in my reader's mind would be, why? Mm -hmm. They may know a little bit about what computer research computer research is. But also in that section, I need to explicitly say what I meant by computer research, right? And, and this is for the next part, which is explicitly. But like in, in logic, I want to know why I should create a customer a computer research instead of hiring an influencer. Yep. And then I want you to show me how to do it and what tools I need to do it. So those are the questions I would have. And so that's how it goes for the rest of the article. What do I want to know for where I am right now? And I guess that goes back to your point around specificity, right? Like it's about being tailored as to how you're exactly. answering the question, not like targeting a particular keyword and thinking, oh, while we're here, we'll we'll try and answer 20 other questions at the same time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if it, I understand that SEO is a priority. And if you want to answer those questions, great. Put them in the FAQ section so it doesn't interrupt the um, user experience of the reader. So explicitness. Being able to, to create content that is so clear that the reader is not left guessing. Mm. The example I gave before was, um, aha, sorry, before I come back, so I don't forget. With logic, I often ask three questions. <laughs> I often ask three questions before I even start the article. So I have my writers also answer those three questions. Who is the audience? What do they know? What do they want to know? What do they need mm -hmm. to know that they do not know? Yeah. The first two are kind of like self-explanatory. The first three, rather. The, the third one, that's what do they want to know, is just where the entire article dwells. The last question is what I feel separates most of the content out there from bad content. What do they need to know that they do not know? So assuming yeah. you are talking about um, how it works, right? How to do something with a tool. If you walk through the process, you might find a, a, um, a friction point that they might want to know about before they get to that point, right? Mm. So that's, that's kind of like an example of what they might want to know that they do not know that they want to know. And again, you don't know those things unless you really understand the, the topic at hand. You've done it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So back to explicitness. Um, so the reader would not have to guess. They don't have to make up their own um, story for the for what you've written. They want. They have to be able to see exactly the picture that you want to paint, right? I often mm -hmm. use the um, example of create content that is easy to read. We draw it around often, right? But like, what does it mean to be easy to read? What does it mean for content to be easy to read? Are we talking about the um, grammar side? Are we talking about being free from spelling errors? Are we talking about um, using words that I can't Google, right? <laughs> that I shouldn't Google, right? Rather, yeah. words that a five-year-old would understand. So that's more like explicitly making sure that the audience doesn't have to make up their own um, definition or explanation for something that you've said. Yeah. Uh, memorability is... I think this is the secret sauce for most content that stands out is the reason why people remember what you've put out there. And it usually comes from examples that are specific to me, shocking stuff. Like I wrote a piece once for BetterUp and I talked about um, how um, Pepsi failed. The article was about groupthink and I talked about how Pepsi um, butchered 
an advert during a Black Lives Black Lives Matter protest, right? And um, in that example, I tied that example to groupthink. Most people, when they reach out to me today, it's usually that piece that they remember. Like mm-hmm. if, they, if they've seen that piece, they automatically remember it because of that um, example that I had given, something that they could relate to that they yeah. used in drawing a sort of parallel to what I was trying to explain. So it made it possible for the explanation to stick because there was something that they could relate it to. Mm. That comes from things like analogies and metaphors and like, you know, just the um, little stuff that I already know. And so it just makes a, a light bulb click in my head when I see it. So it's almost like building in some, building in, unique parts of the content or storytelling aspects, things that aren't just like regurgitating mm-hmm. facts and summaries and things like that, but trying to cr- create some level of interest um, through something that people, I guess, w- maybe wouldn't expect. Exactly, exactly. It's also, um, it's also novelty. It's also conviction. These are all things that make content memorable. I know I've read a few pieces of content where, like the author isn't really saying anything new, but mm-hmm. the level of conviction that you see in that in that piece kind of wakes you up to the fact that this thing this thing is is a fact and it's possible and and like you ignore every other piece you've read about it and just stick to this one like this is the one who has shown me the light you've shown me the <laughs> you've shown me the light because. Because the conviction of the author, like they really believed in what they're saying and shows. Yeah. If they have that level of conviction, then the other, it's going to be memorable in and of itself, isn't it? Because, you know, that passion and that, that understanding of the topic and feeling very strongly about something, it comes through and people, you can tell when okay. somebody's like written something just to kind of tick the boxes and when somebody yeah has a really unique and interesting and and um insight that's been built from from their own interest in in the topic yeah the final example that i would give of memorability is coined concepts i remember when i was a blogger i first heard of the skycreeper technique (laughs) It, it completely blew my mind and till today like lots of people are still talking about the skyscraper technique in in um say beginner SEOs and um and all of that. And it was just because he coined a concept, Branding coined a concept for that. If he had written it like a regular article, how to um grow your um blog traffic fast or how to outrank every other person, it yeah. wouldn't have nearly the effect that it Yeah, definitely. I mean it's like it's every form of content really, isn't it? Like the the example that comes to my mind is like Christmas movies. You know, you have you have a million different Christmas movies that come out every year. Like Netflix has a whole Christmas movies channel, which is like all these horrible, like basic, low budget Christmas films, and they're all just like standard, like hit the tick the formula for people to like binge watch or whatever. But you know, none none of them are any good. They don't have any staying power or whatever. And then you have Christmas movies that stick in the public consciousness for like years and decades, and it's almost always because there's something like unusual about them or they're like a different take on the su- the subject. The underlying themes are probably exactly the same like I don't know fam- how important family is or like something like that like the message is 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 going to be similar but it's like the way that's delivered is 
is more enjoyable and it's and it stays stays fresh in our mind for much much longer yeah okay so the last part the actionable part the final one is actionability and it's the reason why people not just remember your brand like they can vouch for your brand this is the reason why people get to trust your brand I want to, if I want to do something, if I'm searching on Google, it's because there's something I want to achieve, right? If I find a piece of content that helps me achieve that without any issues today, and I do it, I, know I perform another search tomorrow for something else, and I find a piece of content from the same site that helps me achieve that another thing, believe me, when I go to Google the next time, I'm going straight to that site. I'm performing a brand, brand search because I want results only from that site. It's what makes you the hero in the eyes of your audience. It's what gains you trust. It's what makes them convinced that you actually know what you're talking about because I've done this, I've gotten results from it, and I would happily give you my money because I know that whatever you're, you're selling is going to be great fun yeah yeah totally you've got to wrap it all up with making it actually usable for the person who's who's consuming the content don't you yeah i guess the way to do it would be um to demonstrate with examples use screenshots right Mm -hmm. walk through the process and show the process step by step i love this example from cxl cxl's blog um, I, I didn't find it. If I can find the link, I will share it with you. I think it's it talked about cooking rice or chicken. I can't remember. It's been ages since I, I read it, but I still remember it. And it was just about how... Okay, so I can't remember exactly what was on the CXL blog. So I'm going to make up my own example. And it's going to be drawn heavily from what I read. <laughs> Is that mm-hmm. if I say I want to teach you how to cook rice, right? How to cook rice. So I'll be like, measure measure your rice and put put your water on the on the fire and put your rice in. If I'm Googling how to cook rice, there's a very high possibility I don't even know how to use the stove. <laughs> so I want yeah. to see, I want to see you turning on the stove. Right. Yeah. I want to see you, um, I want to know how many inches of rice yield a plate. I want to see how to wash it. Don't just tell me to wash my rice. Show me how to do it, mm-hmm. right? You could tell me to soak it in warm water that is at, um, I don't know, how many degrees. Like, I want the details. I want to see how it's done. I want to be able to, to actually do it based on what you've done. I don't want to go in there and try to do it and realize I have so many questions. How many minutes do I have to boil it for? Um, yeah. What kind of water do I have to wash it with? Like, I want to know all those things. Give me yeah. everything I need to be able to do exactly what you said you want to teach me. <laughs> yeah. I remember that reminds me of when I was a kid and like my mum would be out for the day or something or for the evening and she'd like have like pre-made a dinner and she'd say, I'll just put that in a hot hot oven for 40 minutes. So I was like, I'm 16. Like, what's a what's a hot oven? I don't know. Is that like 120, like 400? I don't yeah. know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're almost uh, we're almost kind of ready to finish up. But one one last question I wanted to ask you is: um, obviously, content marketing is changing a lot at the moment. There's always a lot going on. Um, what what content channels are you most excited about? Kind of this year, over the next kind of year, eighteen months. I feel like. 
podcasts and um, YouTube is going to be where we get a lot of premium information. Communities and um, newsletters also would be the mm. best way to get to readers who are actually at a higher level of knowledge. Beginners in the industry might still use search as often as before. Like everyone's still going to use search, right? But yeah, people will use search less. I would, I would re- rely more on recommendations in communities that I trust, in newsletters that I uh, am su- subscribed to. If I find a YouTube channel, I would subscribe to the YouTube channel because I know that um, whatever content they're putting out there is something that they have done for themselves. It's not AI um, reading. To be honest, I feel like um, podcasts, YouTube channels, communities, and newsletters are the channels I'll most be excited about right now. And and also social media like LinkedIn and Twitter. These are where I find, I, I can't remember the last time I, I went on Google to find something useful. Yeah, definitely. I think people are taking a lot more onus on their own bat of like, specifically seeking out individual channels to get their information like if i want to know about sports information you know i'm not going to google things i'm going to follow these particular people who i trust in sport if i want to learn how to cook i'm going to follow like these specific people who i who i know and trust have similar taste to me like and all those things you've mentioned are kind of aligned with that don't they like individual creators or small teams of um from a brand or whoever creating specific content directed at at a very tailored audience. Exactly. Awesome. Well, look, um, that was really, really valuable. I definitely got a lot from from having you on, Lily. So thank you very much for for your time um, coming on the show. If there's any, um, if there's questions people have, or if they want to catch up with you, connect with you, what's the best place for them to to do that? Um, I hang out most on LinkedIn and Twitter at Lily Barger. Um, I have a Mastodon account, but I, I haven't really used it. <laughs> <laughs> you can also find me on my website, lilyboyder.com, and my newsletter, that is actually where people should subscribe, marketingcyborg.com. I have people from um, brands like HubSpot and ActiveCampaign and Vimeo subscribe to the newsletter, and they tell me it's fabulous. So I'd love to see people there. <laughs> Great stuff. I'll pop links to those um, in the show notes. And uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It was really fun.